And welcome on in to CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey here with you on this Thursday evening. Welcome. Thank you for making us a part of your Thursday. Where else? Right here on CBS Sports Radio. I don't think suspending Jim Harbaugh is enough of a punishment for Michigan. I think the only really sufficient penalty you can lay down on the Wolverines is banning them from the college football playoff. This story's now right been circling for the last few weeks, and now it seems like sometime in the near future, we will get an answer in terms of if Michigan will be punished or not for allegedly cheating and what that punishment will be. It seems like Tony Batiti now has the Big Ten, the new Big Ten commissioner, has gained all the facts he has needed. He has spoke with Big Ten coaches. He has spoke with Michigan. He's heard rebuttals from Michigan. It seems like, thankfully, because this story is honestly really, it started out intriguing. Now a lot of legal jargon is being thrown around. It's getting very annoying at this point, to be honest with you. I want to get back to just talking college football. But it seems like in the near future here, we are going to get a ruling from the Big Ten on if there will be a punishment and what that punishment should be. And there have been reports of a massive fine for Michigan, a suspension of Jim Harbaugh. A lot of things are reportedly right now on the table that the Big Ten is considering doing or not doing to Michigan and or Jim Harbaugh. And for me, at least, why I don't think a suspension of Jim Harbaugh is enough is because let me ask you this. Where is the negative impact of not having Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines for Michigan? Like, how does that truly hurt them during the games? Let's remember, he's not a play caller, right? He's not the ones out there dialing up the offense during the game every single Saturday. So what does he actually do on the sidelines during the game for the three hours that the game is being played? What does he actually do on the sidelines that is impactful for Michigan to where if you take him off, they're going to be in trouble or going to be at a disadvantage, right? That's why you punish someone or something or a team to hurt them, to send a message. What message are you sending by suspending the head coach who is a CEO that really come game time is not that involved in the outcome of the game for those three hours? So I really don't think that his absence would be greatly felt and be this big negative that Michigan would actually feel. I think we can all agree, right? If we just talk about the history of college football, the greatest coach in college football history is Nick Saban. I don't think that's really a hot take. I don't think that's really up for debate, personally. And the reason why I bring up Nick Saban is this. You would think, right, if head coaches that are CEOs are so vital to wins and losses on the field during the game on Saturday alone. That if the GOATs, Nick Saban, had to miss a game, that Alabama would just be out of whack. right? They'd be kind of running with a chicken with their head cut off. Oh my God, we don't have our leader. What do we do? How do we know how to line up? Are we, is everyone ready to go? What are they, Who's calling the plays? Who's calling the defensive plays? Who's the head coach? You would think a team like Alabama missing the greatest coach in college football history for even just one game, things would be out of whack. There'd be some disarray. Even if they win, it's like still, it's like pretty sloppy, pretty ugly. Nick Saban has missed one game his entire career. That was back in 2020. Unfortunately, he caught COVID right before the Iron Bowl against Auburn. The final score of that game, 42-13. 
Alabama won. So you even had the absence of the greatest uh, head coach in college football history not be on the sidelines for a game. Alabama didn't miss a beat. How is suspending Jim Harbaugh for one game, for two games, for the rest of the season actually impacting Michigan? They're already used to having him not on the sidelines, right? He already served a three-game suspension earlier this season for different NCAA violations that are still being investigated. So Michigan already got a dry run of what it's like to have game day operations when your head coach is not there. So it's not like, again, you suspend him for the Ohio State game or the Big Ten title game or the rest of the season that all of a sudden Michigan is not going to know what to do and they're just going to crumble right in front of, you know, run of our, uh, right in front of our faces here. They know what it's like to be in games without Jim Harbaugh. Again, he's not calling the plays. I don't think he has a big impact on the outcome of games on Saturday specifically, which is why for me, I don't think suspending him, even for the rest of the season, would have as big of an impact on Michigan and on the rest of the college football season as the Big Ten thinks. That's why for me, I think the the biggest and most deserving punishment, if proven true here for Michigan, that they're cheating, is banning them from the college football playoff. This is not just a Big Ten thing. This is an NCAA thing, right? Where you want to slam the book right now at the first team we have found to cheat to this level. And if you want to prevent it from happening again, which I'm sure the NCAA does not want another investigation like this going on again and ruining and taking our attention away from the field, you make the cheating not worth the reward. And right now, if you suspend Jim Harbaugh and still give Michigan a great chance of winning because I don't think his impact or his absence will be felt that greatly, like, what message is that sending? You suspend them from the college football playoff, all of a sudden now, any team that's thinking about, well, is it worth cheating? Should we kind of do what Michigan did? Maybe just do it a little bit more discreetly, but kind of the same idea. Well, is it worth it? Well, let's see. Michigan, yeah, they cheated. They still really, for the most part, weren't punished. Yeah, there was a little suspension. That's no big deal. I think it's worth it. Let's try it out. I think teams are still more likely to try to cheat and push the envelope if the suspension or if the punishment, I should say, for Michigan is not one where you look at the act of cheating and say it's not worth it. Not competing for a championship is a big enough punishment for me to say, yeah, it ain't worth it. That's what you're playing for, right? You play to win games, you play to win your conference, and you play to win championships. You get that last part taken away, that really, again, puts a major hindrance and a a major cloud over the entire season that I think is a big enough punishment and to make an example of Michigan, to prevent any of this action going forward. That's why for me, when I look at potential punishments and you hear different reports and rumors of what the Big Ten could do and could not do, the only punishment for me that's fitting is banning them this year from the college football playoff. And one other other thing here about this cheating scandal, because this has been in the news now for about three weeks. I'm sick of it. I'm sure you're sick of it as well at this point talking about it. But one thing I think we all need to do here we got to grow up, man. Can we actually, can we, can we talk like adults? For one second, at least. Can we please stop with this charade that's been going on, mostly from Michigan? I will say mostly from people right now rocking the maize and bloom. But can we please stop this charade that Michigan didn't cheat, they didn't get this big-time advantage, and that the coaches don't know? Come on. 
Well, who are you fooling by saying that? Common sense here needs to be applied. These are the facts that we know. These are the facts that cannot be argued. Michigan staffer Connor Stallions was making $55,000 a year. What was he doing? He was buying tickets and lodging and transportation and everything else needed to send people out to go scout illegally future opponents in stadiums and also film their signals. Two rules right there that are broken by Michigan that have now been confirmed because guess what we have? Receipts of the transactions. We have surveillance video from stadiums in which teams will look at the seats that Connor Stallions purchased. Go back and look at the surveillance video. Wow, what do you see in section A, row 49, seats one and two? Those are the ones Connor Stallions bought. Let's just zoom in there. Oh, what, what does that guy do? Oh, that's a camera phone. And he's filming our sideline the whole game. Weird. Wow. Huh. Interesting. You have surveillance video. You got receipts of these transactions. You have a source already on ESPN on the record, a Division Three coach saying, yeah, I was paid by Connor Stallions to go record Penn State UMass earlier this year to go get Penn State signals. That evidence is against Michigan. And you go look at any video right now that is people have gone and put out on social media since these cheating um, scan or since the cheating allegations, I should say, have come out. Connor Stallions in multiple videos throughout multiple years is standing in the hip pocket of Jim Harbaugh, the offense coordinator, defense coordinator. Huh. Well, he's just a recruiting analyst. You wouldn't think he would be standing next to the head coach in a game against Ohio State if he wasn't bringing something to the table. And you wouldn't think these coaches wouldn't know how he got the signals and wouldn't trust him to be right unless they knew the system. Everyone's paranoid. Think about it. If someone at work randomly came up to you, if you worked at a big company in a big office, at some low-level, some intern, let's just say, came up to you and said, hey, look, I know what this other company is doing marketing-wise. Here's how we can combat this, and here's how we can get ahead. Are you just going to blindly say, you know what? You're right. I'm going to trust you here. Let's run with this. Or are you going to say, well, how do you know what they're doing? Where did you get this information from? You're going to verify that this information that this intern is claiming to have is correct, so you don't just blindly go out there during a game and say, oh, yeah, coach, run to the right. You want to know that Stallions knows what he's talking about. So... Let's also not pretend here that the Jim Harbaugh offensive defense coordinators here don't know. They know. Again, common sense here, please. We're adults. Let's act like it. Let's talk like it. And on top of it, right, so you had Stallions' receipts to buy tickets in his name and Venmo transactions on the record. You have surveillance video from stadiums he purchased tickets in, and the surveillance video confirms the people in those seats are the tickets that Stallions bought are videoing sidelines. You have Connor Stallions on video on game day next to Jim Harbaugh, offense coordinator, defense coordinator. And finally, you have Connor Stallions resigning from his position and failing to cooperate with any investigation going on right now. If he was innocent, he wouldn't resign from his uh, position, especially when he is a diehard Michigan fan or his lifelong dream is to be the next Michigan head coach. I don't think you're giving up on your lifelong dream, whatever it is, based on false allegations based on false claims from 
another school, or maybe the real world, another company. And failing to cooperate with any investigation means he knows the dirt. He knows if he cooperates, he's implicating Harbaugh, coaching staff, and the entire team. So he's going to say, I'm not talking. Because silence is better. And I give him credit for this. He's going down you know, with the ship, not taking anything with him. But then that to me also just lets you know right there, well, clearly, if he talks, he's implicating more than just you know himself. And that's why he's not talking. So this is not a court of law. right? This is college football here. The common sense, these facts we just talked about right there are enough to connect the two and saying, Michigan cheated, they knew what they were doing. I mean, hell, even Michigan themselves is basically admitting to cheating. This is where I said before, this is kind of getting on the boring side of this discussion because now that for the most part, it seems a lot of facts are out. Now, all of a sudden, the legal jargon steps in. And now, all of a sudden, the legal analysts are coming out left and right and the lawyers are getting involved. So Michigan sent a letter to the Big Ten yesterday, essentially pleading for them not to make any uh, rash decisions and basically to take their time in this investigation and not punish Michigan this year. I want to read to you just two quick lines here from Michigan's statement. You tell me, does Michigan know they're guilty? Or are they trying to claim that they are innocent? This, again, is Michigan's statement to the Big Ten yesterday. Quote, It is highly dubious that a junior analyst's observations about the other side's signals would have had a material effect on the integrity of competition, particularly when, according to present evidence, the other coaches did not know the basis for those observations. End quote. Michigan's big defense is that according to present evidence, in those two sentences, did you hear anything of baseless allegations, false accusations? Did you hear two buzzwords that we hear in almost every single denial, unequivocally, categorically? Did you hear in those two sentences I just read you the phrase, those rumors are categorically false? We unequivocally deny any wrongdoing. That's PR 101. Even if the person or team knows they're in the wrong, the first thing that they always do is deny. And they always use those big words to make it seem like they are strong and they cannot believe the charges that are being pressed against them. We unequivocally deny those rumors and claims. Those reports are categorically false. You always hear that. What did Michigan not say in those two sentences? They did not deny about what's being accused of them. They just said, according to present evidence. That's their big defense. right? Well, right now, we may be guilty. But right now, there's nothing right now that I've seen that says we are guilty. That's when you know they're guilty. That's when you know that they did something wrong and that they're not even denying what they did. They're just saying, well, right now the evidence doesn't say we're guilty. We know we're guilty, but the evidence at this moment does not say guilty. Again, we got to use common sense here. Let's stop pretending or living in this fake fantasy world here and let's live in the real one. There's absolutely zero chance Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the coaching staff had no idea how Connor Stallions got his information and there's no way they weren't using it. Everything stacks up against that. 
And so now with the season winding down and three weeks left in the regular season when you have to make a decision now, common sense is enough to say guilty. Michigan's not even denying what's being accused of them. And that's why for me, the ultimate punishment, the price that is right here is banning them from the college football playoff. I don't think a suspension of Jim Harbaugh is enough. I don't think suspending Jim Harbaugh truly has the impact as a CEO, right, where he's not the play caller. He really does not have that big of an impact for the three hours where the game is played. I don't think suspending Jim Harbaugh has really that big of an impact on games moving forward. You want to make Michigan pay for their cheating? You want to prevent this cheating from happening again going forward? You ban them from the college football playoff. You make the act, in this case, videoing and breaking the rules to cheat, not worth the reward of maybe getting an advantage, but if you get caught, you can't compete for a national title. That is why, for me, a suspension of Jim Harbaugh does not go far enough, is not enough of a punishment, and is not going to truly have the effects that I think the Big Ten and the NCAA think it will. So I'm curious your thoughts here. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Is suspending Jim Harbaugh, even for the rest of the year, enough of a punishment in your mind for Michigan? 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll get your thoughts and also, I want to stick in college football. Let's talk about on the field here as well when we do return. Because we have a game involving Michigan that I think highlights the worst spot to be in college football. Two teams in the top 10, I think, personify that more than anyone and will remind everyone of that on Saturday. I'll tell you who the two teams are, uh, two teams are and why when we return. It is Ryan Hickey here on a Thursday with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. So Ryan Hickey here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday right here on CBS Sports Radio. You heard the line right there, Hick at Night. If you miss any part of the show, that is where you can find the podcast, Hick at Night, night spelled N-I-T-E. Check it out every time I'm on right here, CBS Sports Radio, including every Saturday, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern can be found right there on that podcast feed. Hick at night. Again, night spelled N-I-T-E. We are starting off today's show talking about a Jim Harbaugh suspension and a possible punishment here for Michigan. There's been a lot of rumors, a lot of different punishments being thrown around. It seems like we are nearing the end and getting an answer sooner rather than later of what Michigan, or I should say what the Big Ten, is going to do about Michigan. And one of the rumors or one of the possible punishments is a suspension of Jim, uh, Jim Harbaugh. The length is unknown. It could be for one game. It could be the rest of the season. I don't think a punishment of Jim Harbaugh is enough. I don't think a suspension of Jim Harbaugh is enough. I think if Michigan, which again, you let's put the facts together here, they were cheating, and the coaches knew about it. I think the only way you truly punish them rightly and also prevent this from happening again in the future is by banning them from this year's college football playoff. That, to me, is really the only answer that makes sense here that fits the crime. So I'm curious your thoughts at 855-212-4227 or at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Do you agree? Is a Jim Harbaugh suspension enough? Or are you with me here? Time to throw the book at them, and you can't let them compete for a championship with the cheating that's been going on. David is calling from Dallas. What's up, David? 
Hey, Hickey. Um, I'm sorry. You can't throw the book at these guys for something that really, unless you have the players to do it, I don't even think it makes that big of a difference. I mean, they could come up there and put what play it is on the jumbotron. If you can't, if you don't have the guys to run the plays to stop it, it it's no use. David, let me ask you this really fast here. You don't think knowing what the other team is doing offensively and defensively gives you an advantage? You don't think if you are, if you know if you're on defense and the offense is running uh, a dive inside the tackle, you don't think that you can be better equipped to stop it when you know it's coming versus just reading and reacting? You could be better prepared, but I don't think it makes that big of a difference. You still got to have the players to do it. Hey, Michigan's you a good know, team, if, if, right? I'm not. We're not sitting here denying that they have bad players. They have really good players. But it's also like if you're again, if you're playing against Ohio State and you're playing against elite level competition here, when when the skill set is the same, right? Michigan has had a lot of talent. Ohio State's had a lot of talent. Penn State's had a lot of talent. Georgia's had a lot of talent. If you know what's coming, when the playing field for the most part is level, the team I would assume and believe that the team that knows what play is coming is having the advantage. That's why coaches are so secretive and so paranoid, and that's why there's no open practices. That's why they limit media availability to like 15 minutes, and it's when the players are stretching because they don't want you filming anything that could get out that could tip off the other team of what's coming. This whole, like, the reason why coaches are neurotic is because of exactly this. They know if things get out and the other team knows what they're running, it is so much easier to stop. I'm not saying, David, you're going to shut the other team out and you're going to hold Ohio State to no gain on every single play. They're still going to score touchdowns and they're still going to out-execute you for certain plays. But I guarantee you, if you know what play is coming every time, you are guaranteed to have more success at stopping it versus, again, having no idea what's coming and have to just read and react. Well, here's my other thing. The Buffalo Bills did a low-tech version of this in the early 1990s and won the Super Bowls. My Cowboys played him in. I believe. David's gone. Okay. That's, honestly, like, this has been going on for three weeks. We've been talking about this topic for three weeks. That is one thing I don't still understand. How you can't think that this is an advantage. It absolutely is. A massive one. If you know what play is coming, you have the ability to stop it so much easier. Again, you're not stopping it every single time. Ohio State still has really good players. Sometimes players just make tremendous plays. Again, it's still, like you said, 11 guys on 11 guys. I mean, even if Marvin Harrison Jr. tells you, hey, I'm running deep, it's pretty damn hard to stop. I'm not going to deny. But if you know Marvin Harrison Jr. is running deep, you can, as a defense, adjust, put a safety over the top, and limit that. Your ability for success, the chances of success... Skyrocket. If you know 95% of what's coming, and that is what's being alleged here, and that is what I think happened here. And that's why for me, I think the only logical, fair punishment is not allowing Michigan this year to compete for a national title. Brad is calling from Detroit. What's up, Brad? Hot take hickey is at it again. (laughs) What what are you doing? What am I doing? (laughs) Let me ask you this, Brad. Do you have maize and gold colored glasses on right now? I, I No. I mean, I may have some of those colors hanging around in my house. But no, <laughs> look, listen. That, 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 that punishment doesn't fit the crime. 
it, I look, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. It's pretty clear what they did. I get it. And I tell you what, a lot of the, a lot of the, the sense, the sense of it around here, really for a lot of Michigan, because look, Michigan outside of the the whole Fab Five thing, mm-hmm. the football program has kept its, you know, has has got a pretty clean record, right? Yeah, like oh, yeah. Michigan never set a foot wrong, and it's like, well, they, you know, hey, they were doing something a little, uh, uh, you know, out of bounds, and they got a little advantage. But I mean, the, my main thing is though is like, you can't punish the kid, you can't punish those kids, and and uh, and not allow them. To, to, to compete in the playoffs for as good as they've played this season, as good as those, those guys are playing, as hard as they're working. I just, I can't, I couldn't, I could never agree with that, that punishment fitting the crime for this. Here's, for that reason right there. You can't punish those kids for well, what, here's those, my thing, know, Brad. what Stallions was doing. I hear what you're saying, but is it by not punishing them, you're punishing the other kids right now that are on other teams that could be left out of the college football playoff this year because you let a cheating <laughs> team in Michigan in. And no, you but, let out okay, other but, teams in previous years, or Michigan is cheating in 2021 and 2022, allegedly, of course, um, from yeah, them no. living, you know, making the college football playoff or winning a game. Like, it's not like I get what you're saying. Michigan, and again, right, is JJ McCarthy actively cheating himself? No, he's playing right. great this year. But it's like, so I get what you're saying about punishing Michigan. I understand that. But the way I look at it is if you don't punish Michigan, you're punching then the rest of the kids to where if Michigan is in, Florida State is out. Well, you're punching Florida State because you're letting a team that's cheating in. Well, now, okay, there's no, there's not really the evidence. I don't think there's the evidence that anything that was scouted is benefiting them this year, right? So, I mean, well, I, mean, they I were, get what you're saying, too. They're gonna get, there's going to be the point. Look, they were scouting it in stadiums this I, year, Brad. And you sorry. had a guy in the record go to ESPN and say that he was at the Penn State UMass game earlier this year. Yeah. They had tickets to just, Penn State, Ohio State. They didn't I, go because that was the same week that the story broke out. But they right. they absolutely were in stadiums this year. The punishment's going to – look, it's going to – I think it'll end up being a typical punishment. And I, and I don't think by not making it as harsh as you're calling for – that's look. Other teams are going to do this though too, Hickey. You know they're going to they're, uh, they're and they're probably not going to get caught doing it. Maybe the, they're everyone's is you know the old adage: if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I mean, I get it, but you just I don't see how you could punish those kids for all the hard work they're doing this year and keep them out of the playoffs. That's that's my outlook on it, man. But great show, and thanks for taking my call, Brad. I appreciate you making it. I hope my Nittany Lions give you a scare on Saturday here, cheating or not. I just hope for a close game. We'll get into that game here in a little bit. But this is one, again, I like the the argument is absolutely fair in terms of punishing Michigan. You don't want to punish the kids themselves. But the way I look at it is if you don't punish Michigan in terms of leave, leaving them out of the playoff, you're then punishing the fifth team, the first team out of the college football playoff. You're punishing kids from previous years that missed out on a chance to make the college football playoff because you allowed a team in Michigan who, according to reports, started cheating in 2021, and that's conveniently when their turnaround and when their rise to elite level started. Now there are kids on other teams that got the short end of the stick and don't have their chance to live out the hopes and dreams of making you know a national championship run because a team that got in was cheating. And the same thing is this year. If you're cheating this year, which... I've seen nothing to say that Michigan wasn't cheating this year, that they weren't using their same scouting system this season. Again, you have a guy on the record talking to ESPN earlier this season who was at Penn State UMass to scout Penn State signals for the game this upcoming Saturday. So they were cheating this year. It's different if they were not cheating this season. 
Then I would say, okay, fine. Maybe we'll rediscuss them being banned from the college world playoff this year. But they are accused, and part of these accusations are cheating this season. Which is why I can't honestly look at this and tell you that, yeah, it makes sense and it's right to allow a team cheating this season to still benefit from that cheating by being able to compete for a national championship. And that's why for me, this some rumors out there of punishment, including a massive fine, which I don't think is going to do much, or a suspension of Jim Harbaugh for an undetermined amount of time, I don't think is enough to, one, punish Michigan for the crimes they are accused of committing, and two, set a precedent to where teams are scared and don't see the the reward of this, you know, not doing this action going forward. You also want to prevent them from basically using Michigan's idea, be more stealth about it, and continue this cheating going forward. You don't want to make the reward greater than the risk, and I think by making the risk of missing out on competing for a championship, that outweighs the reward of getting an advantage and knowing what play is coming. So 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. If Jim Harbaugh is suspended, is that enough of a punishment right now for Michigan with their cheating allegations? 855-212-4227. I teased it last time. I apologize for not getting it. We'll do so when we get back from the break here. Two teams in college football this weekend are going to show why they are stuck in the worst place in college football. I'll tell you who they are and why when we return. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. That is the number to call. We are talking a lot right now about Michigan and what a fair punishment would be for the allegations against them cheating 855-212-4227. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Going to On the Field. Talk about Michigan this weekend. They are playing Penn State. I think Penn State's one of the examples of the worst spot to be in college football. Right? In the NFL, we would classify the worst spot to be, or really, not in the NFL, in pro sports. I think this is fair across the board. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Worst spot to be in pro sports is stuck in the middle. Right? Not good enough to win a championship, but not bad enough to get a top pick in the draft and get that premier talent to then all of a sudden turn your team around. Being stuck in the middle, near 500, being on the fringe of the playoff spot, maybe some years making it but not being a threat, sometimes falling short, and just kind of being stuck right there where you can't get any elite players to your team, but you're also not good to knock off the top teams. It's horrible. But in college football, it's different. I think the worst spot to be in college football is pretty good, but short of elite. Great Consistently great, but not elite. I think we're going to see that example twice here on Saturday. One in number 10 Penn State, the other in number 9 Ole Miss. You want to know why for college football being right at that fringe of good to great is the worst spot to be? It's because it's a tease. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know deep down you're never going to reach it. It's kind of like being on a treadmill in front of you dangling is a donut or a hundred bucks. Like, oh, I want to go get it. Let me just run faster. But you're on the treadmill, right? So the, the faster you run, you're not actually going anywhere. So you can run, 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 run up the speed. You are never going to reach out and grab 
that donut that you want, that $100 that you want, whatever's in front of you to motivate you, you can't reach it. You can see it. It's teasing you. But you know you're never good enough to actually get it. And that's, to me, the, the most frustrating part. It gives you hope. But deep down, it's like, oh, I see it. We're so close. But even though you're so close, you're still so far. Ole Miss is like that more recently with, with Lane Kiffin as head coach. That's where I've lived as a Penn State fan now the last, I mean, what are we, 2023? Almost the last eight, nine years. They've knocked on the door. They've been good enough to sniff the college football playoff. They have been in the zip code of a national title. But when it comes to winning those big games that you need to win, when it comes to truly breaking through, they fall short. It's like being on the outside of the club. You can look in. Oh, wow, everyone's having a lot of fun. Oh, that, that DJ's sick. Wow, a lot of attractive girls in there. Man, it'd be great to be in there. Oh, look how close I'm online. But you know deep down you're not getting in. Close enough to see it, but still far enough away where it's never actually reality. And that is just, it's so much more painful. It is so much more frustrating. In part because there's no real fix. Again, the two teams I'm using for this example because they have two big games this weekend is Penn State and Ole Miss. No bias here as a Penn State fan. I think Michigan's winning this game. Michigan, I think, is beating Penn State. I think Georgia is beating Ole Miss. And I really don't see a path for either team to win. They're in the top 10. Right? Ole Miss and, and Penn State are top 10 teams this late in the season. They have proven me pretty damn good. They could beat 90% of the country. But now games like these, for the Rebels to top the Dogs, for the Nindy Lions to beat the Wolverines, that's truly what gets you in the club. That truly get you closer to that goal of being elite and winning a national title. But I don't think it's going to happen. And the thing is, when it doesn't happen, there's no real way for these two teams to get that much closer to eventually winning a national title. Like You're not firing if you're Penn State James Franklin. Guy wins 10 games a year. You're consistently ranked in the top 15. You beat anyone not named Ohio State or Michigan it is really hard if you fire James Franklin tomorrow to find a replacement that not only is going to win you bare minimum 10 games a year, get you in the top 10 consistently, but also climb the mountain, beat Ohio State, beat Michigan consistently, win the Big Ten, and make the college football playoff. Who are you hiring? Who you're hiring is guys that are unhirable. Same thing Ole Miss. Sure, upgrades over Lane Kiffin are, are, and James Franklin are who? Nick Saban. Are you getting him from Alabama? No. Kirby Smart, are you getting him from Georgia? No. Jim Harbaugh? Well, he's got his own problems right now. Are you getting him from Michigan? No. Like the coaches that are better than Franklin and Kiffin, you can't get because they are locked into their team. So it's like you're close. You can't win a big game. But there's also really no big upgrade because anyone, if, if Ole Miss fires Lane Kiffin after Saturday and James Franklin is fired from Penn State after Saturday after both teams lose, the odds of you getting a similar coach, let alone better, is very slim. It is extremely slim. You are more likely to go down than you are to go up. And that's why I think, at least, the worst spot to be in college football 
is right where Ole Miss and Penn State are. Top 10 teams, close, right? You're pretty damn good. But still nowhere near that elite group you need to be in to make the college football playoff and win a national title. You can see the light. It's there in front of you. You can't reach it. It's a tease. It's frustrating. And I think we're going to see it this weekend with Michigan beating Penn State and Georgia beating Ole Miss. You can be a top 10 team. But there's still a big gap between where you are at 9 and 10 and versus where the elites are at 2 and 3. 855-212-4227. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We are talking right now a lot about Jim Harbaugh and what a potential punishment, if any, could be and could look like here for Michigan and or Jim Harbaugh. David is calling from Buffalo. What up, David? Hey, Hickey. What's going on, man? How you doing? We're hanging, David. We're doing well, man. Hopefully you are as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just want to jump in here and talk about Jim Harbaugh. I think the biggest thing with Harbaugh is, you know, like, obviously it's going to be a big deal, you know, if he's suspended, um, you know, because there's no doubt what he's meant to that program, the way he's turned them around. He's really turned Michigan into the, the premier team in the Big Ten. Um, and, and I think to me, if they do suspend him, it would be a historic thing because, you know, you always see how they wait forever, you know, with these decisions. Typically, the NCAA is, uh, I think the, the thing that would be interesting if they do suspend it for that Ohio State game or if they do make it to the playoffs, I mean, you know, what kind of impact that will have on these kids? Because it's one thing to be suspended in these games in the beginning of the year. They played such a lousy schedule in the beginning right. of the year. But now, I mean, you're playing really big time teams in Ohio State and teams that are, you know, Georgia, you know, these teams that are real contenders for the national title. And then the other thing, too, is like I know that happened with Tressel when he went to work for the Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. If he tries to bolt, does Roger Goodell do anything? Because you know, if he's suspended, he's going to say, screw it, I want to go. What does the NFL do? So there's a lot of things that could come out of this. To me, so many unknowns with it. That's what's fascinating about it. You're right about that, David. I appreciate the call, buddy. I believe the NFL put out a notice recently that basically, hey, look, if you're facing, you know, punishment in college football, the NFL is not a safe haven, and they could honor that. So there's a chance if there is a suspension handed down, the NFL, if Jim Harbaugh leaves at the end of the season, they could honor that suspension. But my thing with, with in terms of why I don't think a suspension of Jim Harbaugh is enough or will actually impact the program um, the way people think is, Jim Harbaugh, I think his two biggest impacts on Michigan are recruiting and his coordinator hires. Again, he's not a play caller. He, I'm not trying to minimize his coaching. But he does, I think, on a game day, is more of a CEO. Right? He's not out there calling plays. So if he's not on the sideline, I don't think it's going to have that drastic of an impact versus if he was calling the plays. So I think you're in good hands with your offense coordinator and your, and your defense coordinator, which seemingly he got right there, and recruiting with the players he's brought in. That, to me, is where the, the biggest two areas Jim Harbaugh impacts and why if he suspended and misses games on Saturday, I don't think. It has as profound of an impact as the Big Ten thinks and the NCAA could think as well. Lee in Cincinnati has a proposal for a possible punishment. Hello, Lee. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Ryan. And I have to say, I don't know how strong the evidence is against Harbaugh. It's going to have to be pretty doggone strong for anything to be done. And it just doesn't seem to me like it is definitive enough and hard line enough. But if it is, he needs to be totally 100%. He needs to be fired, and he needs to um, be banished from college football for coaching without cause, you know, for many show cause for many, many years, you know, um, I agree with the firing lane. And, but I, I don't think he should be, should be allowed to coach again at the collegiate level unless it's, there's a show cause, 
what he's if this is true, it's worse than what Hugh Freeze did. It's worse than what uh, any other football coach has done that I can think of. You know, but I got I got to ask you this though: with your feeling, how much of this feeling do you have against Harbaugh? Because like everybody hates Michigan, everybody hates Harbaugh. Unless you either love him or you hate him, especially if you being a Penn State fan, you think that clouds your judgment at all? I will say this: Lee, I'm being honest. I don't think so. Again, I'm picking and appreciate the call, buddy. I'm picking Michigan to win tomorrow or what's today? Thursday, Saturday. Sorry, my days all confused. Like I, I'm really, I feel like personally putting my bias of Penn State aside. I'll say this: I actually like Jim Harbaugh. I think he's great for college football. He His personality is what more coaches need. I Look, I'll be honest. I don't like Michigan. I've hated Michigan my entire life. With that said, them being good is great for college football. College football needs them relevant. So this is not just a witch hunt and take down a good program. This is, I think, legitimized facts here that we're talking about. Has nothing to do with hate of Harbaugh or hate of Michigan. Them being good and Harbaugh being around is great for the growth of college football. All right, when we return, Bears-Panthers is tonight. Let's revisit that trade. Should the Panthers regret trading up to get Bryce Young? We'll discuss it. It's Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio.